You're listening to another podcast. A podcast about horror movies and scary things. You put your headphones on and enter another dimension. A dimension filled with zombies, killers, ghosts, and creatures beyond your imagination. You've crossed over into the realm of mankind's deepest fears. There's an episode up ahead. You've now arrived at Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares. Hello and welcome to Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares, a podcast where we explore over 100 years of horror films and why we love being scared. I'm Luke, and with me I've got my best buddy, Andy. How you doing? Hello, hello. What's shaking? Shitting bricks, like usual. Shitting bricks. It's a it's a it's a colloquialism for being very scared. <laughs> for for those of you who aren't familiar. Well, <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> I don't know how to move on from there. Um, but uh, welcome back. This is episode two. Uh, last time we talked about the 1986 remake of The Fly, and tonight we're going to go further back in time. Back in time. To 1960, with a film called Eyes Without a Face, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce the uh, the French French version of that. Le Yous Sans Vassage. It is a French film. What, say that again? Le Yous Sans Vassage. Oh, fancy. I, I really don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but that's how <laughs> I hear it in my head. And, and to me, when I read that, I translate it literally in my head as the eyes without a face, which is just not right. <laughs> but yeah. Eyes without a face. This is uh, Eyes without a face. 1960. Had to read. Had to do a lot of reading to watch this movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Although there's not very much dialogue. No. I mean, it's it, not... A super dialogue-heavy film. And it is not plot-intense. There's not a lot no. of plot. No. Fairly fairly simple in structure. Another another hour-and-a-half movie with a clear kind of uh, three-act structure. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the kind of the <clears throat> basic premise of this movie is uh and again we talked about this in in our first episode but we we will be just going right into the story and yes. there there will be spoilers uh it kind of goes without saying but and again this is an old film so this movie is 61 um, years old so if you haven't seen it shit. yet yeah but uh so the movie opens with a a, a woman driving through the country at night and you see that she's she like looks in the rearview mirror and you see that she's got a really creepy shot of just like this like lifeless like body in the back seat yeah just kind of slumped over uh, and drives to a river drags the body out and dumps it dumps it in the river and and then you have Basically, you're kind of introduced to this uh, doctor character, Dr. Uh, Jonasaire. Jonasaire? Yes. 
Sure. I mean, th- we're going to fuck gonna up butcher, these names. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to butcher a lot of the names in this. We're going to butcher that's hard. probably the hardest one. Is the Le Docteur Genesaire. Genesaire. I think I-E-R is a, is just a. Genesaire? Genesaire. Genesaire? Genesaire? I don't know. I would read the actor's actual name, but it's not much easier. No. Pierre Brasseur. <laughs> um, basically, you come to, come to find out this doctor's daughter had been in an accident where she had become disfigured, and then she had gone missing. And so, at you know, at first you think that the body that was dumped off at the beginning of the movie is his daughter, right? And he even comes. The police call him, and because she, it, the body that they found kind of matches the description, and the face right. is kind of fucked up. And so he ends up saying, "Yes, that's my daughter." Blah blah. blah. You cut to uh, a funeral scene, and you realize that the lady that had dumped the body off at the beginning of the movie is with the doctor. Right. She's like his assistant. Um, and her name is Louise. Go- Louise. That, that's yes, an easy good, one. Good call. Um, yes, Louise. And so the two go back to the doctor's doctor has this big mansion kind of out in the woods next to his like medical clinic. Yeah. It's like in the which, suburban French countryside, which it took me 75 minutes to realize that they were right next to each other. But yes, the <laughs> clinic and the house are right next to each other. Yeah. About like, like, like a half an hour away from Paris, basically 20 minutes yeah. or, or yeah, 35 minutes or 40 minutes away from Paris. So like you kind of we kind of follow them back to the house, and you kind of at first it kind of seems like okay this is like too much like why are they showing all of this? There's a lot of like, walking. It's like it's like every step of the way, but <laughs> I think it's it actually does kind of help like lay out the like the the floor plan of the house. Yeah. So that it kind of makes sense later. You kind of get an idea of like the space, you know, yes. because yes. much of the movie takes place in you know, in that house. Right. Um, and so, yeah, they follow him and he goes back. He, he's got like, um, he's got a garage. He goes back up through the, goes upstairs. And then he, the, you kind of discover that his real daughter, Christian is still alive and she's upstairs in this bedroom. And, um, basically, He's the whole the whole concept is that he's uh, attempting he's a surgeon and he's attempting to uh, do a, a face transplant and right. give his daughter uh, her face back. And right. and he's using Louise, his assistant. She's kind of doing the dirty work of yeah. gathering the victims and she's kind of she's the back. Renfield. Yes, exactly. And she's doing that because he had successfully, like, fixed her face. Right. He, not he a transplant. It did, of... Not a transplant, but yeah, some kind right. of plastic surgery or something where he made her look normal again after she got right. a box cutter to the face or something. <laughs> and the, yeah, and like one of the things is like, one of the details that kind of comes into play later is that um, the only noticeable... The only like thing you can notice from her facial operation, whatever the procedure was, was that she has like like the small scar on her neck, which she covers with this like pearl choker. Right. Um, and so, anyways, 
you you realize okay christian is still alive and then you so then you realize the body that was dumped at the beginning of the movie uh was some other bride some other lady that they had kidnapped attempted a face transplant she had died and then they dumped the body yep um and in the meantime you don't see christian's face yet she's like wearing a mask this the like mask is creepy, creepy. we'll get into the, that. yeah very creepy mask um and so yeah the doctor just kind of like promises yeah. her that he's going to restore her face blah 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 and and then louise goes and finds another woman and and kind of lures her back and he you know knocks her out with you know chloroform or whatever and christian kind of happens to like see all this happen and kind of follows and and sees where like they they took her took this this woman's body to um like a little hidden lab or something you know mm-hmm. within the house and uh and then after that she she goes to this other area of the house cuz there's always like dogs barking right and they go to this other area of the house and there is like this big room with like all these dogs in kennels and essentially the doctor is like experimenting on these dogs for like surgery purposes right. Um, but you know, one of the things is that like Christian, while though, while she's disfigured and she has this creepy mask on, like the dogs are very, she's very loving to the animals and the animals are very like reciprocating of that and friendly with her. Um, and so, and if you want to chime in here and take up, take up the rest of the plot, you might be doing it. You might do it a little faster than I am. I'm really going into a lot of detail here. I mean, that's that's really yeah. They bring the other woman down there, and they actually show the operation. They show them taking her face off, essentially, right. and Christian gets the transplant, and it seems to work. Um, but then it it ends up, you know, in the and they dump this other woman's body. Actually, they chase the other oh, woman around right. the house. She jumps out the window and dies, and so they dump her body. Um, and after a time, they realize that the the transplant isn't taking, and they right. and and so they're kind of back at square one. And then included with this, uh, so so the thing that kind of tips into the third act is Christian calls her fiance, who thinks that she's dead. He hears her. And he starts to question like some of the things that are happening. So he goes to the police and he tells them this and the police are like, well, you know, they've been, they've been kind of paying attention to these missing women. And so they, they basically get this third woman to kind of check out the doctor and his clinic um, based on the fact that Christian's fiance was like kind of thinking that something was going on there. Right. And so this third woman ends up getting abducted because she fits the bill of what she looks like kind of matches with Christian. Um, and so she gets abducted. She gets brought in. They're getting ready to operate on her and, uh, and the police show up. And so the doctor leaves, leaving Christian and the woman alone and the woman ends up waking up from whatever anesthetic she's under. Christian kind of goes at her with a scalpel, thinking the woman thinks she's going to kill her. She ends up cutting her free. And so the woman kind of takes off. Christian ends up killing Louise with the scalpel, just like straight shot to the throat. Yep. 
and then she releases the dogs. It's not clear when she releases the dogs, and at least it wasn't for me, when she was releasing the dogs, if she's just doing so as kind of an act of defiance. Like she's 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 giving up and she's not doesn't want her face she's kind of not wanted her face transplanted. Um, but she releases the animals and the dogs end up, you know, killing the shit out of her dad. Yep. Yeah. Maul- mauling his face specifically, which is yeah. Yeah. ironic. <clears throat> it was a good uh, shot of that. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And so when you, yeah, to me, like that was like the ending when she releases the dog, she's kind of like, and she releases herself because she's right. kind of been imprisoned in the home, you know, because right. everybody kind of thinks she's missing. Well, now they think she's dead. Right. And so she's kind of been isolated and, you know, and, and then she, you have these, all these dogs and there's even like a big bird cage with like white doves. Yeah. And uh, she releases those two, and but um, yeah, so that's that, that's uh, yeah the end of the movie, and there's like this the the end of the movie is very uh, I it's a uh, very fairy tale like yes. a lot of the, I think there's a lot of stuff in the movie that's very fairy tale esque yeah um, but particularly like the ending when just like the yeah, the dogs ravenously like attacking each other, and then and then killing her dad, the doctor, and and then she kind of comes out, and she's got like this gown on and her mask, yeah. and she's got like a white dove in her hand, and she kind of just like floats into like the forest yeah. at the end, you know, in the end, and it's just very kind of like she just disappears. You know, it's very, uh, very fairy tale and kind of, I don't know. Has that yeah. dark beauty to it? Um, it's a quality movie. <laughs> it's a quality movie. Yeah, I I, uh, I I like this movie quite a bit. I haven't seen it in a while. I uh, I know this is your first time having seen yep. it. Yep, never seen it before. Uh, I saw it for, for the first time about ten years ago. That was the last time I saw it, so it's been a long time. Um, but I remember I remember liking it, and so it was cool to to kind of revisit it. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting, you know, kind of things about the movie and, um, both the, the making of the movie and, and just kind of like analyzing the, you know, just the kind of different, um, elements of the movie in terms of, you know, cinematography and, and symbolism and, and things like that. Um, but uh, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to talk about right off the bat. Um, right off the bat, not necessarily. Uh, like you said, it was my it was my first time seeing the movie. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, what were your kind of first impressions? It, 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 I I liked the the beginning quite a bit in that it wasn't. It, it was it was it wasn't straightforward what was happening so mm-hmm. you know sometimes horror movies they build you know they give you the not every horror movie but it's a common trope in horror movies i guess to give you the initial like idyllic life of these people before like the crazy shit starts happening right and this was this was an an example of the opposite like it it starts right in the middle of like everything has yeah. already gone to hell and 
it kind of right. picks up with like this like sadistic you know, the guy's sadistic the sadistic doctor and like you know his assistant and stuff and the weird shit that they're getting up to and so it was it was it was good you know especially for it was kind of um you know it reminded me a little bit of like hitchcock or something where it was like it seemed like it was a little bit ahead of its time in that that first act you're really not sure what's happened like you don't really know what's going on you don't yeah. you don't know whether that's the the you know the 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 person is that is in the river is the the daughter and you don't know you know what these people are like getting up to and warning of that you're just kind of following along and waiting to kind of piece the things together um so i thought that was cool all the way up until like they revealed like you know that she was still alive and right. and you know what you know kind of her mask and and you know how she was hanging out at the house and stuff um and then after that it kind of goes back to more of a traditional i guess type of of horror movie um but but that was my my first impression was that i really liked how that how that played out and how that was scripted um the yeah and i like the dogs some of those <laughs> dogs dog. were fucking massive yeah like yeah. there's one dog in there it's got to weigh 150 pounds it was like the same it was like bigger than her almost oh yeah like it was ridiculous because yeah there's like a part where he's like she's like comes over to the cage and like the top of the cage is open and the dog kind of like stands up yeah and the dog's head is like twice the size of her head or more I don't know what the fuck that was, like a mastiff or something. But, yeah. And then there was another um, one that just kind of laid its head down on the cage and she just kind of like put her head on his head and it yeah. just stood there. Like it did. I thought it was a puppet at first because it didn't even freaking move. It just like put its head up and then it just laid there and it just let her like pet him. That's funny. But they did a lot of good stuff. There was a lot of good stuff like that that just small, like we said, didn't even need a lot of, you didn't even really need to read it because there's just a lot of scenes like that where you know, she's connecting yeah. with it. Just you get, you know, she's there. She's she's connecting with the animals. The animals are not frightened by how she looks or her mask or any of that right. stuff. They're just, they just love her, you know. And she's, and then she's also picturing herself in their shoes. You know, she's seeing herself right. as the same, you know, right. caged caged up and experimented on. And so it's kind of that, yeah, that point of connecting with them, and also, you know, you you and her starting to realize like what her real situation is. You know. Right. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting because I know um, the director, uh, Georges Franju. Franju, uh, he kind of grew up, you know, because so this movie came out in 1960. So he grew up, uh, and this was only his first. Uh, this was his second film, his second like um, fictional film. He had done a lot of documentaries before that, um, but he grew up during kind of like the silent film era mm -hmm. and um you can and there's a lot of this movie that almost kind of feels like a silent a silent film you know yeah um there it just i mean it's black and white which at that point you know not there was i mean at that point color film had been around for what i don't know how many years 100 but, 150 years <laughs> but like, but like but you know, like he deliberately uh, chose to to make this film in, in black and white. I'm assuming, right? Um, and um, and so I, I like that. I like that uh, approach to it. 
Um, and like I mentioned earlier, it, it definitely, it feels very much like a, um, uh, like, uh, kind of like a fairy tale, like a dark yeah. kind of fairy tale. Um, Rapunzel. Rapunzel. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. You can see that. Um, I mean, pretty much all fairy tales consist of a princess locked in a tower. So, I mean, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Beauty and the Beast, I guess. Um, but, uh. Yeah, well, and what's kind of interesting about, like, so a, a French film, like, like at that point, uh, French filmmakers had not really experiment, experimented much with uh, horror films. No. Um, by, the late, by the late 1950s. And, um, but what's interesting is that, like, some of the very first, like, horror and fantasy films were by... A French filmmaker, uh, Georges Méliès, and he uh, he's regarded as like you know a, a pioneer in filmmaking. I mean, we're talking about like late eighteen hundreds. Jesus, um, the, I mean, he did uh, he did the famous Trip to the Moon. Yeah, that's why that's that what I was going to yeah. say. Was it, it was it, was that the guy that did Trip to the Moon? Yeah, he did t- that Trip to the Moon. He did another Smashing one Pumpkins called... Moon Face thing. I, I know yeah. it's not Smashing Pumpkins, but that Moon Moon. The moon yeah, with yeah. the face is oft imitated where the yeah where the the spaceship kind of goes into the yeah the, the face of the moon um but he did a lot like a lot of his early you know films there and some of the very first uh films ever really ever made like like that actually told a story were in the late 1800s like that and his stuff was uh, a lot of it was like fantasy and kind of horror um and so it's interesting that you know the, like a French filmmaker kind of was the first one to do those things. But then for a while there, even up until like then the fifties, the, the French hadn't really done a lot of horror. No. And I don't know if it, I think it was kind of like looked at as like lower class. Yeah. Like it, it was, wasn't it was, like, you know, right. It wasn't artistic for sure. Yeah. But, but this movie, you know, is widely considered to be a horror film, obviously. And, but it's very artistic. It's very, it very much fits that, uh, you know, you know, French kind of French, um, you know, artistic French film, you know? Yeah. Um, pretentious. <laughs> um, cry, cry again. But, uh, yeah, so they, so they're the producer, Jules Borkin, uh, wanted to kind of like t- tap into that kind of, market the horror film market and so he ended up getting Georges Franju to direct and he had a kind of an interesting career there leading up to this like starting in 1949 he did like a series of documentaries and um as I thought it was kind of interesting reading about his documentary work because he uh his first movie was called Blood of Blood of Beast which is 1948 and it was kind of like detailed like it was a documentary and detailed the the horrors of like uh paris slaughterhouses good lord which i don't know if that's something i'd want to want to watch but <laughs> no um but then but then he did a couple of movies that were actually commissioned by the french government and both of them he like which i think they would have learned the first time but like both of them he kind of like um the first one 
was kind of uh was called passing by the lorraine just came out in 1950 and it was like it was meant to be a like kind of like a propaganda film celebrating right. the modernization of like french industry but he turned it into an opportunity to kind of expose like the the ugly truth of industrialization nice and um and then he had another one called hotel invalid which was another one commissioned by the French government that was supposed to be like a tribute to like a veterans hospital and museum, but he turned it into like a kind of anti-militarism piece. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool. He's like a very like kind of edgy liberal kind of filmmaker. Yeah. Take uh, your money, but I'm going to do yeah. what I want with it. Which is funny that they didn't learn like the first time he did that. Like, <laughs> Of course not. But, um, but yeah, so then he kind of, then after that, after about a decade of, of doing documentary filmmaking, filmmaking, he uh, he did his first fictional film called Head Against the Wall, and then he followed that up with with this movie, Eyes Without a Face. Um, but uh, they use some massage. Yeah, there it is. Um, but one of the other interesting things that I was reading about, like um, adapting, because this was a book. This is based on a book. Yep. Um, but I thought it was funny because they came to him and they're like, okay, we want you to do this movie. Uh, but we want you to do this movie about like a mad scientist who experiments on animals and cuts off people's faces. But we want you to be sensitive to blood and gore because the French <laughs> censors don't like that. And we want you to be, we don't want you to show any animal cruelty because the British censors don't like that. And we don't want you to use the a mad scientist character because be, because the Germans don't like that. <laughs> of course. And so, so he kind of found a way to still adapt the movie or adapt the book, you know, successfully into a movie. And um, it's funny that you mentioned Hitchcock earlier because the um, the writing partner there was a write uh, two guys that always that worked together a lot became. Uh, I think they, uh, boy, and I'm going to butcher some names here too, but uh, Pierre Boileau and Tomas Narcissac. I don't know. Sure. That's them. Anyways, they worked together a lot um, and they uh, they ended up adapting uh, Vertigo for the screenplay for Vertigo for, for Hitchcock um, and several other films, but. Um, they kind of came in and helped kind of shift the focus from the doctor. Cause the doctor is like the absolute like center point in the book. Okay. And they kind of shifted it more to uh, the character of Christian, the daughter. Um, and also, and as, as a way to kind of like, and they also kind of tried to make like what the doctor was doing a little more like relatable, understandable. Yeah. Less um, just he's evil and more right. like yeah. he has a purpose. Right. That's what a lot of horrors. That's what a lot of horrors. Horrors. <laughs> that's, what, that's what a lot of horrors are missing. <laughs> that's what a lot of horrors are missing. That's what a lot of <laughs> a lot of horror movies. So uh, horror movies. We've we maybe touched on this in the first episode, but horror movies are all over the fucking place. Like. I know all movies are, but I feel like horror is a genre, genre that there are uh, is number one high volume of movies, and yeah. number two, 
some really, really, really bad ones all the way up to some really, really, really like shockingly good ones. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like it gets dismissed as a whole, you know, because of the nature of the, of what because, it depicts, you know? And, and the sheer, yeah, yeah. And also just the sheer volume of really, really bad ones. <laughs> right. But, and but yeah, one of the things, the subject one of the things is. that the bad ones do is just that they, they, again, we talked about levity in the first episode, having some sense of levity, having like a little bit of that break, um, which this movie didn't really have, but it, it had a different kind of feel it, you know, it's a little bit different in that regard. Um, but not only that, but having, you know, having protagonists that are fallible and having antagonists mm-hmm. that have some redeeming qualities that you oh, yeah. relate to, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. It's, that's, that's, that's I mean, one of the things that I think a lot of them just get wrong is they just, you know, it's just, it's too black and white and yeah, it's just awful people not, being awful. And then it's like, not okay, enough well, shades of gray. Right. Yeah. And, and this movie, you know, you have, you know, again, I'll kind of, throw it back to our last episode of the fly it has very few characters very few right. very few central characters um essentially really i mean just three main characters you have the doctor his assistant louise and then christian yeah um and so you have a small a small cast of characters but each of them is flawed um but they're each kind of like you can understand their motivation like each of their each of the characters motivation you know the doctor was the one that caused the accident that disfigured his daughter yeah so he's kind of acid right in her face he's trying to make he's kind of trying to make things right but i mean you can kind of look at that in other ways too i mean that's that even that really is kind of up for interpretation yeah Uh, how how much how much is it that he really how much is it, like is what he is doing? Is it how much of it is out of love, and how much right. of it is really out of guilt, maybe? And how much of it you could even it's go just, and say, look, how much of it is actually really because like he just doesn't want like an ugly, disfigured daughter. You know what I mean? Well, like, or, like how much his, of it is like a superficial thing where he's or you know his what I mean? own it's like or his own narcissism. Like he he wants to be able to prove that he can do this. Right. Right. He doesn't, you know, like the fact that his daughter, you could even go back go so far as to say they never really explained what happened with the accident. You could almost question yeah. the fact that maybe he caused, maybe it was some, maybe it was intentional to some degree right. or, or subconsciously intentional because True. this was the sort of thing that like he seems to get off on is like right. being able yeah. to, to, you know, he's, he's very into being the person that like, finds this ability to transplant uh, someone's face onto another person. Um, so yeah, you, 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 it's, it's flawed all over the place, but at the same time you understand, you can at least pick out those motivations pretty easily and, and, and relate to at least one of them. Right. Right. And the same thing with Louise, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, she's doing the things she's doing, but she's doing them out of a sense of like loyalty that she right. feels like she's indebted to him for having, you know, for him having kind of like saved her life in a sense and, and you know, kind of fixed her so that she can lead a normal life. Because um, she was fucked up looking before that. 
Did they show her? No. Oh. <laughs> I was like, did they? I was wondering if they like maybe showed her in, in some no. aspect, like a picture or something. I couldn't remember. Um, but then, and Christian too. I mean, you put yourself in her shoes, and it's like, you know, if that happened to you, and your face was messed up and your dad is like, I'm going to fix it for you. Just give me some time. You know, you, you'd let it happen. And then, and then you realize yeah. after the first one, you're like, Oh, they're killing people. Yeah. Now, yeah, then she you, was, you know, even Christian, you know, who is probably the most, who is the most sympathetic character. Yeah. Um, you know, she's complicit too. She knows what's yeah, going oh, on. She's absolutely, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, even her, you can kind of understand to a degree, but after, I mean, once, you know, she realizes, oh, shit, you know, they're killing people to try to give me, give me a face back, like, that's fucked up, and, yeah, you know, she kind of at least redeems herself in the end, um, but, but yeah, I mean, all, there's, there's no, there's no character here that's, that's innocent. No. Again, your protagonists are fallible and your antagonists are relatable. I mean, that's, that's really, that's a key, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with the fly. I mean, you could go through, you know, just like we talked about last week, you know, Brundle is, is he's, he's both your kind of protagonist and antagonist. And, you know, he's, and, and, uh, uh, Gina Davis's character, you know, she was not perfect by any means. Like she had issues too. And and then uh, Stathis, you know, he, you know, he, he was all over the place. So you know, <laughs> but you relate to him, you know, you're 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 you you see yourself in them, and that's what's good, you know. The the bad horror movies are the ones that you watch, and you're just like, okay, this is just evil people slaughtering innocent yeah. people, and it's like, yeah, okay. the mo- there's like, yeah, I, I mean, because that's how I I'm kind of like I'm that person who's always kind of looking for uh, humanity and like, yeah the like i'm always looking even in even in like movies that are fantastical and you know over the top you know horrific you're all i'm still always looking for like that human element and that that little bit of grounded kind of like reality of like okay how do people really act and you know like i'm always looking for the those the motivations and do they really make sense and 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 so that's you know something like with this movie that i i really enjoy is that it's you know it the motivation all the motivations for each of the characters kind of come from a an understandable somewhat relatable place yeah um for sure but uh yeah another thing another way that this kind of actually relates to the fly is that the whole um kind of like in in this case it's a doctor and the fly was a scientist but like kind of the the whole like um you know scientist kind of dabbling with things that he, that should be left alone you know and, right yeah and and then kind of like the 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 results of that and and yeah. kind of paying the price for 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 that you know yeah um and and what's interesting is like you know with the fly it was teleportation that was kind of like the the concept that was the scientific kind of uh you know gimmick and in this one it's it's face transplants because this is in you know night late 1950s you know 1960 i mean they just recently within the past 10 years did the first successful like full face transplant right i think i think in 2010 and so you know but back in the 60s you know 
that I mean, like I said, that was sixty years ago. I mean, shit. You know, that was fiction. that was science fiction. You know, it was it was something that was it wasn't implausible. You know, it just wasn't possible yet. You know, yeah. um, and the same thing with you know, and and we're still not there with teleportation. May never be, I'm sure. But like, but it's kind of interesting because you know it does play into that whole kind of you know science fiction where you have this idea that's that's you know, plausible, but not quite yet possible. And just kind of playing, playing with that. Uh, and which is, you know, interesting when you have something that is, it's right, it's right there possibly on the edge of possibility, but to where you can understand that and it's intriguing, you know, but it's not yeah. quite like science fact yet, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting looking back on this, because now we can do, you know, right? We can do uh, actual successful full face transplants. And how many young women were murdered to get us there? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Too many. Uh, <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. No, I, um, I don't know where the bodies are buried. Um, we should we should talk about the gore. The gore. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really good. Uh, uh, the the special effects hold up really well. They do. Uh, the, the the makeup effects I think hold up really well. I kind of forgot do. that. Um, I kind of forgot that you ever actually see her face. Yeah. Without the it's mask not, on, it's not very clear. No. It's kind of fuzzy. Like but a maybe quick... that I think that might make that kind of makes it a little more. Oh effective, yeah. You know, it was very it was very effective, and like, she's the actress who plays Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, has like very big blue eyes, like just like fucking soul windows, you know, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, and talking about, we didn't really talk about that. We were going to get into that, but like the mask, you know, is, is, the mask um, is yeah, is very like sim- simple, but creepy. Um, Pictures and, don't do it justice. Like when you see it in the movie, it looks yeah. way better than it does. Now, the pictures make it look cool, but in the movie you realize just how thin and kind of simple it is. And it really mm-hmm. does look like a face just right. like on top of her face yeah. and the mouth moves a little bit. It's not like, it almost looks like a plaster mask in the pictures, but it's like an actual like slightly delicate movable mask. Yeah. And so it, it just, add, all of that adds like a layer to me, added a layer of like kind of creepiness to it, that it was kind of realistic like in black mm-hmm. and white, it's like it could be a real face almost, but there's just not something quite right with it. Yeah, I mean, it's like it 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 mimic like the the details on the mask are very subtle, but they kind of mimic her actual features, and so you have you know kind of like lips and a nose. Um, the only thing that two ears, know, two eyes. <laughs> the only I have just I have just described to you Bigfoot. <laughs> And the reward the for his capture, two million dollars. The only thing you really see, I mean, so the, there's the only thing that's cut out on the mask is her eyes, and um, and so you have like it's not just like a feet, it's not completely featureless. The mask, like you see, no. there are lips and kind of like nose and stuff like that, but it's it's very pale. Yeah, there's and, no there's no contrast to it. Yeah. But the, the features are like the lips and the nose and stuff are all, it's all one kind of one color. It's all kind of muted. 
Right. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's very effective and, and creepy, but simple. It's not like, you know, sometimes, you know, in, in a lot of movies, they'll kind of over design something. And, yeah. you know, it's like, but this is like kept simple. It's simple, effective, creepy. Um, but yeah, like the, uh, when, when you first see her with her mask off, she's kind of standing and she's in like the lab area and you have one of the victims who kind of comes out of her drug induced stupor and like we all do (laughs) like you like you do and uh and she sees she sees christian standing in front of her without her mask on and she's like in shadow and and like the the camera is kind of like out of focus mimicking like the the victim's kind of vision kind of coming to and she's like you know and she's in shadow and then as as like christian kind of steps forward uh it, like out of the shadows like the it kind of focuses a little bit and you see her face and and it's pretty cool like it's it's creepy yeah. and and you it's, know it's creepy it's 1960 and like but like i felt like the 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 makeup effects are, are were pretty yeah. well done like they weren't they were again, well done yeah. not over the top but like brief definitely definitely twisted where you're like oh shit yeah her face is fucked up <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's yeah. not you know what i mean like it was enough to oh, yeah. see oh yeah like okay maybe uh, you can kind of it almost kind of helped make it understandable why they were trying to like right. fix her face because it was like it was fucked up but it wasn't like, like didn't dwell on it too long and yeah it, it was very effective and her eye again and then she still got and, the yeah, same the giant eyes, like, eyes yeah. just staring yeah, which creepy. was just even creepier yeah, apparently absolutely. so then so that same victim then is the one who gets her face removed which is also some fucking creepy prosthetics yeah pretty well done i mean so, really yeah the scene where they actually take her face off they cut it you know they draw they draw the face that they're gonna you know the, the area they're gonna cut off then they take a scalpel and they like run it shows them running it around her face the whole pr- it then, shows the whole thing yeah it shows the whole thing and then running it around her eyes and then like it shows them like slowly peeling the skin off apparently like in a number of cases that was far too graphic like th- this was a scene that had to get removed for certain markets because it was yeah. too it was too graphic to show in 1960 and by today's standards it's tame like i you know it's for one thing it's black and white for another thing it's not super there's not anything super intense happening other than she's getting her face taken off. <laughs> but it's, you know, from the from the movies that we've seen in the last 30 years, and even movies that came out 10, 15 years after this one, that were just like off the wall brutal. This is fairly tame. Yeah. But for the time, it was, it was I wouldn't go so, so far as it was like highly controversial, but it was definitely something that you know there there was there was note taken of it and it and yeah. it's certain i think even in the us it was edited out i don't uh, know i don't i thought i was reading that they didn't really weirdly they did not edit that particular scene hmm. they took out another scene in the movie which well i mean we'll kind of talk about it later but like it was a very like innocent scene it was like a scene with like where the doctor like is like talking to like a child in his clinic, like mm. they took that scene out, but they left they left the entire scene of of her getting her face removed. 
Um, and yeah, what was the name of the uh, well, it, when it was released in the U.S.? What was it? The Horror Cabinet of Doctor Faustus. The, yeah, the Horror Chamber, the Horror Chamber of Doctor Faustus, or something like that. Like and there that. is there is no Doctor Faustus in this movie. No, I don't know, and I don't know if they like changed changed the name because they dubbed it for when they right. when it was released in, in the U.S. I don't know if they changed the name to to the doctor's name to Faustus or yeah, not. Who I don't knows? know <laughs> if they just Who knows? changed the name of the movie. I don't know, but um. But yeah, I mean, uh, and then there's another scene, you know, later on after she successfully has the face transplant and my favorite part, they're all sitting down at the dinner table and like, oh, oh, everything is great. No, yeah, the face looks great. And then he, they, the doctor and the assistant kind of leave. And I like, I really like that shot of like them, like walking outside, uh, kind of in and out of shadow. Yeah. And he's like smoking a cigarette and then he's and then he basically tells like Louise, he's like, I failed again. And and because he could already even though he was kind of he was like telling her the face looked great. But then he walks outside yeah. with the assistant and he's like, he already knew that like something was wrong and yeah. the, fa- the face wasn't taking. And then it kind of goes into this like little uh, montage where like it shows like these it shows like photographs of her with like his narration like describing how the the face transplant was like being rejected yeah um and you kind of see these like multiple shops shots of her like almost like kind of like mugshot styles of like her face kind of like deteriorating which is really creepy and that was some of the best it was super creepy and some of the best makeup yeah shots really well done makeup and stuff um yeah I, i thought that was really cool yeah, that was one of one of my favorite parts of the movie too. It just from this the it kind of brings it up again. Not not com- comedy, but levity. You know, they're happy, they're enjoying, they're talking about the future. You know, there's a little bit of a funny part where he's like, <laughs> I don't know if it's intended to be funny, but it made me laugh because he's like, he's like, smile, smile. Yeah. No, no, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> smile, smile, too much, <clears throat> yeah. too much. And then, uh, yeah, and then. And then he kind of, and so they're having this nice little meal and then he kind of like stops her and he's like looking at her face and she's like, you know, what is it? And he's like, oh, nothing. Just looking at it. And then that's when they, him and the assistant go for a walk and, uh, and then it kind of comes crashing down again. And the, in those, the effects and those, just the kind of re- the break in the traditional, you know, movie film, uh, progression where it kind of stops and now you're seeing still images and a yeah, narration yeah. breaking up the movie a little bit and kind of like allowing for the passage of time for one thing but then you know kind of kind of uh, just switching it up a little bit yeah really was interesting and then also like i said the makeup effects of those shots was really cool and they kind of linger too you see them yeah yeah it's very very well timed as you see them just enough and then it kind of moves to the next one you see it just enough and you're not long enough to like pick apart anything in the makeup effects, but long enough that you're kind of like, Oh geez. You know, yeah. I don't, need, I don't yeah. need to look at that for very long. And even that, that kind of, again, you know, kind of reminded me of the fly as well. Like just yeah. like the, the slow degradation of him yeah. with the different stages of like kind of the makeup effects and stuff like that. It was kind of similar as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that was, uh, that was Tom Savini did that. <laughs> Uh, he does does everything he He does everything (laughs) yeah oh shit 
Um, <laughs> Tom Savini and uh, and Stan Winston made the mask. Oh my god! <laughs> but actually, funny uh, going back to the mask. I I was reading that um, supposedly uh, John Carpenter was very influenced by um, the mask in this movie and kind of inspired him to to do the uh the mask for michael myers in halloween yeah um i saw that just too this that that pale kind of nearly featureless kind of mask and stuff um it's the same haircut that's for sure <laughs> not as like the it's more of in halloween it's swept back but yeah. this in this one it's kind of like more there's like short short bangs in the crop but <laughs> it's the same length. It's just styled <laughs> yeah, a little differently. Styled differently, yeah. Uh, a little more of a pompadour on Michael. Pompadour. Pompadour. Ba- babushka. 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 Um, trying to think of some other things that I wanted to talk about here with the movie. Uh, I mean, I will say... You know, I don't have very many gripes about it. Um, I will say I did not like the music. <laughs> the music is not great. Anytime Louise is on the screen, it's yeah, like, ding, 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 ding. it's, it's like the Wicked Witch of the West music. It's like carnival yeah. music. It's very strange. I That, to me, is... I, I mean, that composer actually went on to do... Uh, I mean, he had a very successful career in, in uh, you know, film scores. He did... Uh, Dr. Zhivago and uh, Lawrence oh, of Arabia. Alec Guinness. I mean, yeah, he was a really successful uh, film composer. But that, to me, like, that that's one of the few things that I feel like is dated in the movie. Like, it just very, it oh, really yeah. kind of puts, like, a, a time Absolutely. stamp on it of, like, this is kind of, like, quirky 60s music. And, you know, just, like. Yeah. And it just kind of I, took, it honestly, like, it honestly, like took me out of like it act, yeah. it actively it, it almost felt like it actively actively like sabotaged the movie like the mood of the yes. movie like i was like what the this could have been like can you imagine like that that opening scene where like she's driving in the at night you know to drop to dump the body like that could have been so much creepier with oh, like yeah. different music you know what i mean or no music or no music and there are a lot of scenes in the movie that have no music True. Uh, the music. Well, that's that's the other thing is the music when it appears is very prominent. Yeah. Like true. there's no there's not a lot of like oh this is quiet background music that's kind of right. just adding to the mood. It's like it's just like it's just like it's like oh here comes the assistant. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's you know I can't I can't figure out if it's because they were trying to be on the cutting edge moving into the sixties and have that, like you said, kind of that really strong sixties sound. Or if it's because it is a French film and it is like, you know, French filmmakers in the sixties. So everything is, is high art and they were really trying to, to, to put a really like an artistic, they were really trying to do what they could with artistic liberties instead of kind of trying to be more traditional. Yeah. And so they were, they, they made a little, the, the soundtrack maybe a little more mod than, than traditional. And we got this weird fucking calliope music. I don't know. 
Yeah. But yeah, I don't it's, know. It's out there. It's it's yeah. I, I was going to say it's not bad, but it's it is bad. It's bad. <laughs> but I mean, the the yeah, like the Louise theme. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned, the, the music that plays almost every time like she's kind of out and about, like searching for the next victim or whatever. Like, right. Yeah. That that whole theme is like, ugh, I don't. It's, I, it's I don't, bad. I don't recall. There is other there is other music in the movie. Um, and I'm that Christian's must, got a Christian's got kind of a theme too. Yeah, and it's that's more much more understated than it's kind of more saccharine like. Yeah, and that that I'm okay with, I guess. But it's the, it's fine, but it's the same thing. It's very it's very prominent when it's being played. Like it's not just playing in the background. It's like it's playing super loudly when she's like walking <laughs> through the house. You know, it's like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I mean that's you know that's one of the things that I like really the one of the things that i just didn't like that that was to me like actually like uh kind of i to me i think in a small way i don't want to say ruin the movie um but it actually i mean to me it it did very negatively affect i think the overall kind of like uh feel of the movie and, and and i think if they had done a, a kind of a more subdued and kind of creepy score it would have been much more successful but I mean, yeah i guess in a way it's like you know it's a, like you said it's a kind of a product of its time it's um, it's like you said a product product of its time it's it's like it's comparable to like the early 2000s when for instance like the matrix came out and the matrix had a very like electronic heavy score and soundtrack that worked for that movie, but then got imitated. And when it got imitated, it got imitated poorly. A lot of times it's almost like that. Like it's (laughs) a lot of things about the matrix that got imitated poorly. Oh yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. It's like the sixties. Like there was this sound of this kind of rock pop, you know, uh, orchestral psychedelia, like weird carnival type music all blended together. That was kind of like the new thing. And it was like, they tried to use that to poor effect. Yeah. 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 It did especially not, in 19 did not age well. Yeah. And especially in 1960, that was like, as it was coming to, you know, as you know, it was kind of coming into fruition around that time. Right. Yeah. Poor, poor effect. Um, one of the other things to me that, uh, that I kind of, I'm not sure if it's something that uh, I don't know how it could have been kind of fixed, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, the, I feel like the third act kind of drags, like um, mm. the whole sequence, that, that whole kind of series of events with, like you yeah. mentioned earlier, with like where they get that one girl, the, sh- the girl that they caught shoplifting, they get her to kind of dye her hair and go into the clinic and try to kind of trap the doctor into because they think the doctor is kind of up to something, you know? Right. Um, that whole scene is just kind of like, I don't know, it kind of goes on for a while and nothing There's, really happens. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of like, not that the movie has like, a, like you know, a fucking, you know, you know, locomotive kind of momentum to it, but it definitely kind of, it kind of stag stagnates there like and a little bit 
and you kind of have like the this girl kind of going through these like different tests and they're not finding anything and then you have like the scene where the doctor kind of goes into this room and like starts talking there's like this kid that's in the clinic and yeah i mean i i I think they were trying to like just humanize the doctor a little bit more by showing like oh he's like actually good with the patients and he's like he's not like this like terrible kind of monster or whatever which i i like that but it's kind of like you're kind of like wondering where is what is going on like where right. is this leading what the fuck is happening um yeah there's there drags a little bit there yeah there's definitely a lot there's like extra definitely extra shots and extra scenes in that section that are just yeah yeah the third act to me is a little i don't know it's got issues and um, there's a lot of walking there's a lot of there's a lot of just like them you know it happens earlier in what the is, movie what is this dark moon yeah <laughs> it happens or it happens earlier in the movie as you said but to kind of like set up you know yeah there's a purpose stage the house yeah stage the house and not only that but like build suspense to like right because at that you, point you don't know you don't know what's happening and he's like slowly the walking through the house so and you're like why are yeah. we why are we following him through the right. house why are we following right. these people I don't know I don't understand whereas in the third act you're like I know exactly why they picked this girl I know exactly what they're asking her to do I know exactly where she's going why are you showing me all of this yeah. why are yeah. you showing me all of this walking and all of these conversations and all of this like kind of move it along a little like don't rush it it's still right. You want it to be suspenseful. Because I do like the pace of the film overall. I like that it takes its time. I like that it's not in a hurry. I like that you don't have a ton of rapid cuts. And it's, you know, I I, I like movies like that, that are kind of, that have that kind of, you know, that build, that slow build and and reveal and stuff like that. But but yeah, to me, I still felt like that third act was a little, could have been, and the movie's not long. I mean, the movie's only an hour and a half, but like, I feel like, felt like that, that third act could have been. I don't know, not maybe not necessarily trimmed, well, but something they they could have done something to to make that a little more effective. And 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 there's a and so the first act is almost exposition free, like almost completely. Like I said, it's very like you're kind of following them. You're hearing bits and pieces of their conversations, and you're piecing together what what has happened and what is what is happening. Right. In the second act, there's a lot more action, and and again the same thing. Like, so the second act is really where they abduct this second girl and and cut her face off, and there's a lot more of conversation between Louise and the girl, and and kind of the back and forth, and her getting her to the to the house and all this stuff. But there's not a lot of like exposition or like tell explaining what's happening as soon as they start to introduce the policeman more which does happen around the end of the second act beginning of the third act yeah that's when like we start getting super exposition heavy like every time the policemen are on screen it's like it's like just explain a thon of what <laughs> is going to happen next and like and and like a lot more just like talking and talking and talking to to kind of progress the plot whereas before that 
it's a lot more the characters and the action are carrying all of that. And that's what makes it for me. That's what makes it a lot more enjoyable is you're kind of like and, and it adds to the suspense because you're like you're just they're moving and you're watching the move and you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, like when they bring the second victim back to the house, like you knew she, you knew some shit was going to happen, but you didn't know like how it was going to go down. Right. And he's like pouring her a drink. And the next thing you know, like that part kind of scared the shit out of me. Like when he <laughs> grabs her and like puts the, the cloth to her face to chloroform her, I kind of yeah. jumped. Like I was because like, Holy you kind of see him like over there, like in the liquor cabinet. Yeah. And, and you're thinking he's putting poison in the drink that he's or giving something. Her, yeah. Which I, I kind of like that kind of like, um, like you said, you know, they kind of, they stay, they kind of make the audience expect one thing like that they, oh, they, he poisoned the drink. But in reality, right. he really just kind of, he ends up, he puts the drink down and then he ends up fucking just putting his right. hand, you know, and kind of has like chloroform on the rag or whatever and ends up, you know, knocking her out that way. But, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, to me, that was the big disappointment with the third act is like with Jacques and the police and all that stuff is just a lot. Number one, you, like you said, the, the hospital scene takes a long time. There's a lot of, like they're going back and forth between the house and the clinic to like kind of do these last bits. And with Jacques and the police, there's a lot more exposition and a lot more just talking to further the plot. When before that, there was a lot of action and a lot of not action, like, you know, guns and stuff, but action, like <laughs> character, you know, movement and John, John Woo style, like, yeah, <laughs> smash cuts and, and bullets and, heavy effects um no just a lot of character movement and blocking and things like that that kind of tell you what's happening as opposed to just like oh we're going here now and we're gonna do this and it's like god jesus christ coincidentally because i had to read all that i had to read all that shit luke (laughs) yeah right (laughs) i don't read well um (laughs) not that fast i I can't read um but that's funny that I I kind of did I kind of I mentioned John Woo but I didn't really maybe I did subconsciously John Woo actually uh, kind of well he he did Face Off which was right. I think partly probably inspired by this movie in in some ways um, yeah and also John Woo and there, so then you have the end of the movie this movie as where John Woo shows up. <laughs> In a, in a in a like flutter of white doves, um, no, but that's the other thing. Like John Woo likes to use like I don't know which movie yeah. he, he does that with, but there's like a, you know them. the doves doves fucking flying through. The I air think it's like all that. of them. Yeah, it's probably all of them. Pretty um, sure. I think it happens in Hard Boiled. There's a scene with doves. I know it happens in Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible Two, Two, Two. Um, which I'm not ashamed to say is my favorite Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> Don't ask me why. I can't believe that. I mean, I think. I mean, we're going to go off on a tangent here, but I can't believe they're still making Mission Impossible movies. And actually, it's probably got to be good. It's got to be one of the best, like, series of like, it's got to be the best reviewed series of movies yeah. that that have been around for like thirty years. I mean, yeah. The the first, I think the first Mission Impossible movie came out in like nineteen ninety five. So you we're coming up on freaking thirty years. Of Mission Impossible yeah. movies, and it's still Tom Cruise, like, and he's still doing crazy shit because he's fucking nuts. Yeah, and I he, can't. It's it's he, pretty impressive. I mean, they're not my bag. I haven't watched a lot of the new ones. I've seen the some of the newer ones, but I haven't seen like a couple of the newest ones. Yeah, I haven't seen. Um, 
I, actually, I did want to see uh, the last one with uh, Henry Cavill. Yes, um, I heard that was good. But I think I've seen. I mean, they're all supposed to be great. I think I've seen the first four. One, two, three. Three was J.J. Abrams, and then you had yeah. Ghost Protocol, right? That was four. Yeah. And three was I, confusing. I think you and I saw three in the theater. Shit, I don't even remember. But uh, but three three was one of the most confusing ones. I thought <laughs> they're all fucking confusing. Maybe that's why I like the John Woo one because it's not that confusing. Yeah, and it's got the doves. It's good. And it's got the, <laughs> and you got the doves. Uh, I don't know. I like. I just like that one. I like. I like that they use the. I don't know. There's a lot of things I like about that one. The action is obviously great because it's John Woo. Right. Um, I like. I don't know how you say her name now, but Dewande, 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 Thandy. Oh, I always Thandy. She uh, she changed it recently. Oh she, really? She like she changed it when she became an actress, and then she's changing it back to like her original. Oh, yeah, okay. look it up. Anyway, I like Thandy. I like her a lot. She's yeah. she's pretty great. She's awesome in Westworld, and she's yeah. she, that was one of the first movies that she was that I liked her in, and. uh it, like I said, it's got good stuff. It's got Dugray Scott, who you don't hear much Dugray. about, but he was pretty good in that movie. Remember when and he was supposed to be Wolverine? Of, he was supposed to be Wolverine. <laughs> and uh, and they and one of the things I really like about it is they use the um, the 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 face, the fake face thing. Oh, they yeah. use that like a lot in that movie, like, like as kind ultra, of a, ultra realistic mask, and they'll just kind of yeah, like, they use it a lot in that movie, and they use it like in like. I don't want to say super creative ways, but like they kind of keep you guessing through the movie, you know, they, yeah. they use it in a, in a couple different ways. So it's one of the, I think it's one of the worst reviewed ones in the whole series, but it's, the second one is, it, yeah, I think so. But yeah. it's, it's one of my favorites, but they're all, they're all fun. I mean, it's fun to try and follow along. I just say Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise is a dick and just a weird, just a fucking weirdo. But, um, yeah. And then after, after, I don't know if we talked about this before, but after like, you watched you got into the whole Scientology thing, the whole Scientology documentary, right? Like the uh Oh man, I did the, a research paper on Scientology and did a, I was reading and watching stuff about it for a long time there because I did a whole research paper like on the it. whole Leah Romini kind of documentary. I didn't watch that, that. Oh, you didn't watch that? I thought I we didn't watch about that. that. That's oh, pretty okay. recent. Um I've heard about it, but Yeah, maybe it wasn't maybe it was some uh, maybe it was someone else that I was talking to about that. But Angie really got into that hardcore. She was like obsessed with that because it's it is th- really interesting and fucked up. Um, yeah, I think she and I. I think I don't know. We I've had a lot of conversations about with it with it with people because, uh, like I said, when I was in college, I did a paper on it and I I did a lot of research and I talked to a lot of people about it. When it, when it gets brought up, I'm like, oh god, yeah, did you hear about this? And I, you know, because, but it's yeah, it's it's crazy. So that was a really interesting little side segment there. Yeah. Uh, but we probably will will we probably will do a movie on this podcast <laughs> that has an actor in it who is a Scientologist at some point because there's a fucking lot of them. Ugh. It's terrible. I know. If we did a movie about every actor, if we if we if we didn't include movies by every actor who was a douchebag or a Scientologist. <laughs> Our list would go down to about 10 movies, probably. Oh, well. At least with these people, they're so old. Half of them are dead now. Um, 
was I going to say? Uh, Were you going to talk about Billy Idol and how <laughs> he was terrified by this movie and it inspired him to write the song Eyes Without a Face? I mean, I know that he, I mean, I know he was influenced by the movie, obviously, but he was he really terrified by it? I can only assume. Oh, okay. Well, that's good enough for me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I mean, that's the you know, I mean, kind of going along with that. Like the movie is very influential. Um, yes. It uh, like we talked about John Carpenter and uh, you know you know Billy Idol and and but it also I mean just like a lot of like the um, I just it, just the the style the approach that the movie takes um, is something that you know I think a lot of uh, filmmakers after filmmakers afterwards kind of like look kind of look to and and were certainly you know inspired by um but uh what was i gonna say uh shit it's inspirational but but yeah but the other thing about it was that you know when it first came out it was not it was not uh well reviewed um People didn't really like it. Um, no. It was not a very, you know, it was not very successful. Um, and yeah, we talked about it being, you know, it got it got edited and dubbed for for the U.S. and and just like a lot of people just thought it was like, I don't know, I don't know if they if it was a little too extreme in certain in, in certain ways, you know, for yeah. for the time. Um. It was definitely ahead of its time, and and people were like, you know, at that at that point, I mean, like the film, the the director, uh, Franju, he like, I mean, he was very well respected as a filmmaker, as a documentary filmmaker, and they kind of looked at this as like, like kind of like degrading, you know, like where he was like, why, oh, like why did he, you know, why did he do this, like, and they kind of looked at, you know, as kind of a step back for him, you know, um, in his career. And, and then, you know, like a lot of movies later on, it, it was re-released in the mid eighties and kind of reevaluated by, by critics and audiences were kind of, you know, a lot of audiences were seeing it for the first time and it ended up becoming kind of like a cult classic. Yeah. And like I said, you know, inspiring a lot of filmmakers and stuff today. Um, but, um, I mean, it's. I, I don't know much about ni- late 1950s and early 1960s horror, but I mean, I feel like I, I feel like you said the the gore had to be a part of it. You know, the that had to be something that was maybe a of detriment to it when it came out, um, and maybe as audiences settled into that kind of becoming the norm, you know, it got a little more palatable and and. Yeah, because to build that cult following. Because I mean, even this came this came out before uh, Romero's Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah, that was like sixty late sixties six. I think it was sixty six, mid to late sixties. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. And that's not know. even like, I don't know. That's not even like incredibly gory or anything. No. It's been I a mean, while since I've seen that, though. I need to rewatch it. Um, I'm sure we'll do an episode on that. I mean, actually, that that's one where, I mean, the original is really good, um, and 
obviously incredibly 68 influ- influential oh 68 okay mm-hmm. um the remake of that is actually pretty good and the remake i, I think was directed by tom savini tom who, savini who also did the makeup yeah. effects. um but that's actually a pretty solid remake too uh, they're coming for you barbara <laughs> yeah i definitely want to do that's kind of like i would say the 60s the 60s are, I mean, I, well, and 50, I'd say 50s and 60s are probably the decades that I've seen the least amount of horror from. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of 70s horror. I've seen, and, and things change, you know, with the, with 70s. 70s Drastically. Horror. Yeah. I um, mean, in the 70s, you get like Last House on the Left and uh, I Spit on Your Grave and I think last. I think that's all. Both those are both seventies. But you get a lot of shit that's like way, yeah, crazy. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Um, Those are all probably from the uh, eighties. Now I'm saying them out loud. All those, you know, definitely up in the ante, you know, and uh, and then you and then eighties. The eighties horror has its own kind of flavor to it. Um, So I mean that that's. I mean, I got, I probably got into eighties horror first and then maybe kind of dipped back into the seventies and then kind of started watching stuff that was, you know, current at the time when I was getting into horror movies, watching like stuff from the nineties, but the nineties is not, nineties is not really a great decade for horror, I feel like. Yeah. Um, no, the nineties, the nineties is a is a bad decade for anything. I mean, and we can blame the the baby boomers, but it's a bad decade for anything that wasn't like well budgeted, you know, yeah. smaller stuff is, it was just, just yeah. not great. Yeah. I mean, when you, you know, you think of like independent films made in the nineties, you know, and yeah. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not drawing, off the top of I'm my sure head. there are some I mean, I'm sure there I mean, yeah I'm sure there's some good ones but like I, there's nothing that's coming to, directly to to mine but but so um, many people and like you said in the 80s in the 70s there were so many young filmmakers that scraped together money just to make a horror movie you know yeah you know Don Coscarelli and Phantasm comes to mind like right off the top of my head you know John Carpenter was obviously doing that with some of yep. his movies um, I mean, it's just, that's like the running theme with a lot of those guys who were big in the eighties and in the seventies, just scraping together money to get their, to get their vision made. And then a lot of those guys just were able to eke out a living by continuing to make the same sort of thing over and over again. Yeah. And then, and then by the time you get to the nineties, it's, it's been done to death. And I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. Last house on the left was 1972. So only 12 years oh. after after uh, eyes without a face which I'm was not, shocking at the time yeah. last house of the left comes out which i've i've not seen either yeah i haven't either yeah but i've 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 heard that it's pretty fucked up yeah it's one of those ones that's it's pretty it you know it got heavily censored because of the things that are in that movie that's Wes craven right mhm yeah yep um, yeah, I mean, we've got, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, uh, you know, on this, on this podcast here to exploring more of 
those kind of decades like the you know yeah and and there's still a lot of stuff from the 70s that, you know that i haven't seen um so i'm definitely looking forward yeah. to kind of checking out uh a lot of those kind of like i guess what would be considered you know classics cult classics of you know old school horror but like but there's a lot of other stuff can i mixed in there too that i just yeah have never kind of gotten around to and I mean, I know we're going to do. Uh, you've never seen the original Halloween. I've not. You're huge, I love John Carpenter. He's one of my favorite right. horror directors, and I've never seen Halloween, which is all the way through crazy. Seen um, bits and pieces. So I think we'll definitely be doing that one coming up. Uh, you know, we're coming up into October here soon, and uh, we'll, I think we'll definitely be be talking about that one uh, for yeah. an episode. Um. But, um, but yeah, uh, was there anything else you kind of wanted to talk about with, uh, with eyes without a face, any closing, closing thoughts? No, I mean, the movie's great. Uh, I really did. I really did like it. It's, it's a good, it's a good length. I'm kind of surprised it's not shorter. I guess, again, we talked about the third act stuff. I'm kind of surprised given the year, given the topic, you know, given the meat that was actually in the story that it's not, you know, only maybe 80 minutes. True. Um, but th- there are a couple places where it kind of drags on a little bit that seem like maybe that was the fat that could have been trimmed. But yeah, um, it it is, you know, the first couple acts are really, really cool. A lot of uh, a lot of good pacing and, and suspense and kind of wondering what's going to happen next. Um it's it's yeah it's it's an interesting movie and it's got for 1960 you know for 61 years ago it's got great effects and yeah. it, it's still pretty creepy today yeah i think it's aged really well i and you know aside from the music that i kind of had an issue with um not so in like i said not that i just it was like oh i didn't really like the music it was like it to, it, to me it like actively kind of sabotaged the movie like, it does it does um but you're uh, not wrong but I, I mean, everything else I think I really like about it, aside from kind of some of the, the third act um, stuff, I think it's really well done. I think the acting is all very naturalistic. Uh, nothing's yeah. over the top. The, you know, the script is, while sparse, is is, is well done. Um, there, There's a lot of iconic, there's some really cool iconic shots. Uh, yes. Know, you know the the cinematography is really cool um just the way i really liked how he framed a lot of the 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 shots you can just tell like like and and actually he uh he shot uh the, the cinematographer eugene uh what's his name levy <laughs> Uh, what is his name? Eugene Shufton. Uh, he shot, uh, he shot Metropolis. Oh. In 1927, but directed by Fritz Lang, which is like a, you know, classic German expressionist science fiction film. Um, and actually created, uh, a process that was, was named after him. Um, that he, he probably wasn't the first one to do it, but he kind of, he was the one that refined it and kind of popularized it and with its use in Metropolis, but it's called the, it's called the Schuften process. And it involves, it's kind of like, 
it's the precursor to uh like the like the traveling mat and, and then later on the blue screen like mm. basically so it, it involved placing a mirror at an angle in front of the camera so that it would it would reflect like a mo- like a model like a small built model of like a building or whatever the case may be whatever they wanted to use and then a section of the reflective surface of the mirror was then removed so that the studio set behind the mirror could be seen through the clear glass and so it was a, it was a way of kind of like overlaying kind of two images on top of each other but doing it in hmm. camera um, and so you by by lighting the studio set that so that it matched the reflected model the image the final image was kind of like a blend of the two it's kind of hard to describe you'd describe you'd have to you'd have to look it up you can kind of they kind of you can look it up and see kind of like the like a diagram of how like they would have done that how like where the camera was placed where the model was placed where like the and and you can see how it kind of would work but um i don't know that he did any of that in this particular movie um but that was something that he kind of refined and kind of popularized and it later got replaced with the mat and then blue screen. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, this was like, I mean, the cinematographer was, you know, had done some really classic stuff before that. And, um, it's very artistically, you know, just beautifully shot. And, uh, I'm cause French. Cause I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I went to, school for film and I studied like cinematography was what I kind of studied. And, and I've, 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 that's what to me, I've always found that's kind of like the most interesting aspect to me personally, about film is the visuals, the camera work, the, the composition of the frame and stuff like that. And so I'm always, I'm always looking, you know, at, at stuff like that, like small details and things like that. And I just really liked how, you know the the attention to detail and how he how he kind of composed the you know the shots for throughout the movie and um and yeah i just think it's a it 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 really holds up as just a, a very beautiful but kind of you know like i said earlier like kind of like a dark like a fairy tale you know kind of yeah um but um but yeah it's a, i this is like my type of horror movie i like this this kind of slow deliberate pacing and and it's not like trying to be flashy and again this is 1960 so you're not really expecting that but like it's not trying to be you know flashy and crazy and over the top and you know it's like it's everything's very deliberate and and when thought out and you know and so i i like that i mean i i enjoy that And, and it's refreshing to kind of go back and and watch a movie like this you know especially in today's kind of like you know world of filmmaking where everything is just you know kind of like yeah excess you know and fast cuts and you know it's everything's got to be crazy and so yeah i i so i i I do really like this movie aside from like you know a few you know some of the small issues that i have with it um i think it's a, a really great movie and i think it it it's held up incredibly well you know six years later so 
I'm downloading the soundtrack right now. <laughs> That's the only thing I don't like about the movie. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, which I'm, you know, if you watch, if you listen to this episode, you've probably seen the movie. Maybe not. I don't know. But check it out. Um, we're going to try to, you know, kind of jump around all over the place uh, in terms of, you know, timeline for when movies are made. And, you know, so we did the 80s. We did, you know, this is the early 60s. Um, and we're going to try to kind of cover a lot of different decades and, and, and styles and genres and things like that. Subgenres, I should say, within, you know, horror. Um, but... Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to continue this and, and see where we go. Yeah, more more white masks in our future, I'm sure. Yes, very shortly. A lot of them. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, catch you guys next time. Scary later. <laughs>